Listen, you know, you can bleep it if you want. I'm not you never I'm, bleep me. It's fine. I don't bleep anybody. I know. I just don't swear. I know. Hi, Christopher's mom. <laughs> so many. So many. So many damn books. Welcome to this episode of So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And this episode has been brought to you by Ferrante. Ferrante. Elena Ferrante or Elena Greco. Or some unknown. Salut. <laughs> How do you. Amalgamation of authors. Ciao. Ciao, Drew. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> I, don't, I cannot do it. I was like, that was just going to be Hank Azaria in the birdcage. <laughs> It's neither female nor Italian. <laughs> so, um, not good. I'm glad you stopped. No. Wait, before we do this, what? uh, what'd you buy? What did I buy? <laughs> you know what we need, though. Um, I, I've been thinking about buying a lot of things and then not buying them. Um, but I did finally break down and buy Ernest Klein Armada. Yeah. I'm very excited. So loud. Sorry. Um, I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited to read it. Um, I really loved Ready Player One and you loved Armada. I did. Um, maybe we'll talk about it on the show. Yeah, that could be fun. It's, it's a big old summer blockbuster, man. I bought, I bought that. Um, and I'm very, very excited to read it. And I, um, I also... Hmm. What? What are we doing? Oh man, <laughs> I'm losing <laughs> my mind. Just, I watched it. I watched it just fly right out the window too. Uh, that was that was a little scary. Um, I bought. I want to show you more by Jamie Quattro, which oh. is a, a short story collection. Is that with the with the tinfoil yeah. on the front? Yeah, yeah. Remember that from? And they're from super years ago. weird short stories. I've already read one of them, actually. Um. I had one read to me, which if you can have someone read to you a short story, I highly recommend it. Um, so I'm very excited to read more. They're all weird and deeply sexual. Great. <laughs> um, the one that I had read to me was about these, like, was about long distance runners. But it's a world where if you want to run in like uh, organized marathons, you have to have a statue strapped to your back. <laughs> Uh, all right, sure. And um, you don't know what your statue is, and it gets sent to you in the mail, and they're all, like, bizarrely sexual. Weird. Yeah. Um, so, interesting. And if you take it off during the race, you're never allowed to race in an organized race again. I just love these. Like, it's just like, how did... <laughs> there's just so many parts of that short story <laughs> that are just like, how did that all come together? Uh, so I'm excited. Nice. What did you buy? Um, I too have been looking at a lot of things and not buying them because I'm trying to make a dent in my to read stack. Mm -hmm. uh, but I broke down finally and bought two things. One, my next book club book, which I'm kind of ashamed to admit I haven't read, especially considering that our last episode we were talking about superheroes. Uh, Michael Shaban's The Adventures of Cav Amazing Adventures, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. You know what? There's actually a pretty great um, someone in the way that. Uh, uh, Emily St. John Mandel was talking about there mm. might be a comic of mm -hmm. um, of Station Eleven. There is a comic of the oh, comic cool. in that uh, the Escapist that they that they draw. Oh, I'll have to find that. Yeah, it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And the other thing I bought at the recommendation of uh, a friend of the show, Will Chancellor, mm. um, A Planet for Rent by a gentleman who, who goes by the single moniker Yoss. Oh, this is that um, Cuban, Cuban science fiction. Yeah. Uh, there was a New York Times article a couple weeks ago about this. And it just... it sounds cool it sounds like old school political minded sci-fi we gotta um, have will back on yeah maybe to talk about this yeah this I'm is our invitation will <laughs> if you're listening and we know you are uh, be nice if he was <laughs> um but yeah but anyway so now that now that we've gotten through the boring stuff, the thing that everybody wants to know about because it's all everybody has been talking about all for ages summer. now. Yeah, well, for, yeah, years par- really. Partially because people are talking about it too, because in the in the way of everyone was talking about Harry Potter in the lead up to Deathly Hallows, there is a final Ferrante mm-hmm. novel mm-hmm. about to come out that pe- that people didn't know was coming. <laughs> yeah, they which didn't. Which is kind of fun. They're like, I guess the end was last one, and it's like, no, there's more. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Alana Ferrante. She has been working uh, uh, on these novels for since 2012, I think, is when the first one came out. Let's see if we got one of them dates in here. Yes, indeed. 2012. And um, the first one's called My Brilliant Friend. L'Amica Géniale. And Sorry, that was a nice. French accent. But yeah. yeah. No, very nice French accent for an Italian title. <laughs> and, it's, um, and it's a saga of, of, a, of a female friendship, uh, a duo. And... This first book um, takes is place. Uh, the f- the first little bit of it takes place when they're children. 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 They're very very small. And then the um, the majority of the book takes place when they're about fifteen, sixteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, not the majority. The first half all goes up to eleven. Oh, that's true. Um, and then each successive book, sort of, from what I understand, sort of encompasses maybe a decade or so. What's sort of great though is the frame story that starts it is Wait, I had no idea that was coming. Yeah, was um the my brilliant friend, her brilliant friend, the um the narrator's friend. The narrator who shares a first name with the author. Uh-huh. is has disappeared. And her uh brother is looking for her. No, her son. Her son, that's right. Who shares the same name as, the as her brother, which is mentioned like once, and then they spend the whole book talking about the brother, and so you kind of yeah. get confused, uh, as I just did. Um, but it's... Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about... How did how did Alana Ferrante come on your radar? Was it Turn Him Into Books? I feel like it was sort of like general Twitter chatter. Yeah. Sometime, sometime before... Tr- trending on Goodreads. Like yeah. Some sort of... I would say just before the the tournament long list last year, right? Because I remember the hubbub when like, oh, they're only including the third book. What's this gonna? That's never gonna make it on there. <laughs> but it it. <laughs> I think that was our hubbub. Yeah, it hit my <laughs> radar like I would say around maybe this time last year. Right, and and there was and it was just sort of talked about and maybe because James Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a glowing review of of uh, of my brilliant friend. Yeah, and and just these, it, it it was just like this is a series done right, um, and it's and it's foreign, which people in the literati enjoy. Yep, and but it's also very um, just it's soap opera y. It's populist. It's very much. 
Yeah, there's something, you know, it's it's out from a small press. It's out from Europa Editions here in the States. And it's... Who've, it, always, who've been on my radar for a while now um, sure. since uh, The Elegance of the Hedgehog, um, oh, yeah. which is a great book. But yet, uh, Muriel Barbary. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, and they just make beautiful books. And so these books have been everywhere for a little bit. Yeah, it's sort of, it's like, it's the... I don't want to say it's the thing that like, oh, look at how uh, classy a reader I am. am. Yeah, look at how cultured. No, there it kind of is a little bit. It is a little bit. Yeah, of uh, emblematic of like the uh, the the I I'm I'm gonna read a series book, but it's going Mm -hmm. to it's not Game of Thrones. I'm reading something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's funny. Stick your pinky way up (laughs) in the air. It really does blend, uh, like, popular low fiction with sort of a highbrow literary sensibility in a way that you almost can't describe until you read it. It just, it blends the two things. Well, it's very episodic. Yes. Um, you know, every, they're, they're, each book is broken up into books and each book is broken up into like little episodic chapters. Mm-hmm. And each of those, they, you know what, it's funny, especially because they, it starts so young. It really reminded me of a book that my mother is a book series that my mother is obsessed with, uh, the Betsy Tacey series, which is about a, a female friendship as well. Um, uh, Betsy, Tacey, and their later their friend Tib as they grow up from five years old until they're married. Whoa. And it follows them for many books. Um, but in that same way, it's very episodic. It's really just like the things that make up your life. Well, I think the reason I was so surprised about sort of the framing device mm. is realizing that it is uh, Elena Greco, the main mm. character. It's her remembering all of these things. Right. She, because her friend has disappeared, she's decided finally, like, okay, I'm going to write down the story of our lives together. Right, and it's and it becomes, I mean, almost like the very, in, in the um, Celeste Ng, Everything I Never Told You way, it becomes almost like a very, like, low-simmering mystery. Yeah. Of trying to understand the person that would disappear. And so each of these memories is then tinged with the idea of this woman wants to disappear. Yeah. Um, and how does she get there? And, and you know, it starts, it's got some really sinister imagery at the beginning. And, and I don't know. And a lot of violence throughout. Which yeah. And she talks about how violent her neighborhood is. And, and it's something that I just didn't understand. I mean, it makes sense of, the, of what I think of in Italian culture, which is like very passionate and very... Um, yeah, you as know, stereotypical as it seems, there were moments where like seven or eight characters would start shouting at each other. And I could see it in my mind, just very... And because she describes it this way of people with their arms waving and people shouting and they're in the street. And I was like, oh, this how, is kind of short handy, but like. How often were you picturing Mamma Mia? A, uh, more often than, <laughs> than <laughs> I think either of us want to admit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it made me really want to go to um, to Italy, though, and, and visit some of these like smaller towns. Yeah. Um, it just. Uh, gosh, it's it, the the act of reading this book is. I'm really enjoying it, um, and I'm definitely going to read the rest. Me too. Yes, I'm, I, I'm it, signed up. I will say that, for the first. Two thirds is is a little. It's slow. Yeah, it's and not, I, I wasn't I I couldn't figure out 
why it had built into such such a right. fever. I mean, uh, right? But why? What? What caught is is definitely something that I've been asking. Is like why this? What? Yeah. What is it about? Because it's it's very good. It's very well written. It's very rich. It you you sit down and you're just like yeah. It's a great summer read. It's a great yeah. You and you feel like you know them like mm-hmm. immediately. Like there's like a a gigantic cast of characters. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a thing in the front of the book. Like it's like and, it's one of Hillary Mantel's. And yet I've never had to look at it. You know, yeah. I, I I knew I knew who everyone was immediately because she's very good at quick characterizations, and and you know the the Solara brothers and just like driving around in their car and grabbing women. <laughs> um, there was a moment towards the end where I did get confused between Antonio and Alfonso, right. but that's just because their names are are just a little too similar. And yeah, I'm and like, I got uh, confused with Reno. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I, I still don't quite. I don't I still can't answer you the question though of why this book. There's a there's a moment for me it happened uh, towards the end as the wedding approaches. Mm. Sorry, spoilers. Someone um, gets married. I mean there's a there's people in wedding on the cover so I think yeah. it's okay. Wedding Although, garb. Who knows. Yeah, I cuz I I'm trying to figure out what, what the that hell is this cover is supposed to be i don't know anyway. what any of the covers are supposed to be um but but so th- that's where you there was a moment where i was like oh i see now and it propelled me through to the end of the book in this way and again thinking about it with the framing device and i think there's a universe in which you could be like oh it's it's a writer who's like uh, she's an all right writer who gets better at the end but i think it's actually really brilliant because it's the character who is writing this thing. Right. And she's dealing with memories from I think what they're in their 60s at the at the, at the beginning at the of the beginning. book uh-huh. in this little framing device. And all of a sudden going to going back to when you were 8 years old, yeah, things are going to be hazy and you're kind of going to be like, well, I remember this thing and there's going to be that feeling of sort of narrative embellishment. Mm-hmm. And then, as it gets closer to these moments in her life that she vividly remembers, you feel all of a sudden that energy. And I was like, "Oh, that was the moment when I thought, yes, okay, I'm I'm gonna burn through the rest of these." So, there is some controversy around uh-huh. these books of like. Who is Elena Ferrante? Because no one knows. Yeah. I uh, mean, she's worse than Thomas Pynchon in terms of like reclusiveness. Yeah. And there's like, there's some idea that she's three writers mm-hmm. writing together, or there's. There are, th- there are the men, it's only men, who believe it's a pen name for a man. Of course. And, uh, but it's, I mean, I, I would be so, I'd be so surprised. I'd be so surprised if it was a man. I unless it's unless it's Carlo Knazgard himself. <laughs> yeah. At the end uh, of the sixth book, which has already come out in Sweden, we will find all this out. And the Swedish people will be like, "Oh, we knew that." Stop! Please stop. <laughs> no, there was that really interesting conversation, which I'm so glad I'm entering into now because I've now read. Two Knozgard books, um, and I've I'm definitely gonna read more Elena Ferrante. And I see the comparison now of like 
the sure. sort of very um very well told episodic um detail ridden um explanations of life and trying to and trying to put them together in a way that makes sense in your memory which is what both my struggle and um this neapolitan saga is about yeah and i do think that uh that my brilliant friend is ultimately the more successful novel um but i think my struggle is the more successful literary experiment um, do you think that's because my struggle is nonfiction, whereas... But he doesn't say they're nonfiction. Really? Kanazgard puts them out as novels. They're called novels on the cover. Interesting. So he's, he's, he's very much like, I made a lot of this up. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's very fascinating to me. Um, but I, I completely understand people trying to compare the two. But... What I don't understand is like trying to say one is better than the other because they're up to very different things. Yes. Just because they are, it's, you know, it's, it's like, um, trying to compare, you know, like, like Douglas Adams to George R. R. Martin. Yeah. Just like, I mean, yeah, they're both world building and, and, and there's going to be some fun connections between things, but there's a lot more that they're doing than just that. Yeah. I think, I feel like the, Ferrante novels are approaching a sort of classical literary thing in the way, like what the Bronte sisters were doing, yeah. what uh, George Eliot was doing, mm-hmm. like just these these depictions of life, and they're very rich. And there's the rich is the I think the best adjective to describe it. Like there's a lushness mm-hmm. about the storytelling. Um, do you do you, I mean there's so much about pastry man, in this one. Oh man. That I maybe that's why I keep thinking Don't about Don't go rich. into these books hungry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, and I, you know, seriously, you just want pizza and yep. and Neapolitan ice cream and spumoni, <laughs> um, all the things. Yeah, let's go to Little Italy after this trip. <laughs> <laughs> Wander around with our books. Does anyone want to talk about Ferrante? <laughs> Anybody know Ferrante? Are you Ferrante? <laughs> I do kind of love the fact that she. There, there's nothing. I mean, like even Pynchon, there is a little bit. I guess because he's been around for longer. But there is nothing. She's done some interviews. She did a, a lovely interview with the Paris Review. And but she's actually done a lot more than just, just this series. You know. Yeah. There, she's got many more books um, than just this. The, the the days of abandonment. Yeah. Uh, troubling love. The lost daughter. Yeah. Um. And I'm very, I'm also sort of sort of interested to look at what else Anne Goldstein, the translator, has done, because she's done a beautiful job with a lot of the what, some things that I kept thinking of is there's a lot about translation because one of the um, because Elena is a student mm-hmm. in the book. Um, there's a lot about like translation jokes or translation like student stuff. And even I mean they talk, and it works. They talk about the fact that she. They speak like a, a high Italian and then the local Neapolitan dialect. Right. And there are moments where it's very specific that characters slip into dialect to say something. Right. And that is a lo- that's a loaded thing. You're right. And and it's one that w- that was one of those things that that really speaks to me uh, of uh, really explaining the world. 
Yeah. And and I keep talking about world building, and I made that sci-fi. Um, it's but it's true. It's just it's just world building. It's like I don't know anything about Italy, and in a way, like that's uh, this might be. I mean, for a long time, that might this might be my only taste of Italy. Yeah. Uh, until I, you know, go someday somehow. Yeah. Having only been there very briefly in Rome, which I feel like is not. I'd be curious to see, uh, r- listeners, if you've read these books and visited anywhere, some yeah, non-Rome Italy. Um, let let us know, and and you know, actually, listeners, email us and talk to us. We love to continue the conversation, and we'll read some of these emails on air and 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 get into it. Yeah, because I I know so many people right now are they've caught Ferrante fever, man. Mm-hmm. As I, I, I would say now both of us have. Yep. I'm going to be very curious to go back and revisit some of the Tournament of Books coverage of the third book once I've finished that and once I've gotten there to mm-hmm. understand like the raves that came out of that from everybody, people who hadn't even read the first two books. Right. Me too. Buonasera, senorina, buonasera. It is time to say goodnight to Napoli. Though it's hard for us to whisper Bonazera With that old moon above the Mediterranean Sea So I went to the uh, Brooklyn Museum and I saw the Jean-Michel Basquiat notebooks show where they deconstructed eight of his Mead composition books cool. and put them all up uh, page by page as well as some of his art and like outtakes of his mov- this movie they made of him. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and there was this, and I immediately was fascinated um, and wanted to know more. And there's this, they they call it a novel, Widow Basquiat, A Love Story by uh, Jennifer Clement. And it's this tiny little book written in very short little um, like sketches um, that's about his relationship with his muse, uh, Suzanne, um, I'm going to pronounce it Malouk. And Jennifer Clement was actually, I guess, friends with Suzanne Malouk. And um, the the strange thing about the book is some things are written very much written, mm-hmm. and then there's italics of what seems like um, Suzanne Clement actually, I mean Suzanne Mulek actually saying the things. Oh, cool! Of what happened? And you get this very fascinating portrait of this artist, but also a really, you know, heartbreaking portrait of love and loving someone who's a genius and loving a drug addict. And there were a lot of scenes of, of um, her giving him baths, which um, sounds really pleasant. You know, you don't really get that happen to you as an adult. Nice. I guess maybe you have to become a heroin addict to get it. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth it. Not that we recommend that. That's that's not part of the recommendation. (laughs) The recommendation is just to 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 read Widow Basquiat, a love story, and it's um it's really really excellent. I really think that everyone would really enjoy it, whether or not you've gone to the Brooklyn Museum or not. What do you recommend, Drew? Um, I recommend something that was surprising to me, uh, that I enjoyed it as much as I did. I'm gonna be surprised too. Um. Chuck Palahniuk's what? Yeah, first uh, <laughs> official short story collection, uh, "Make Something Up: Stories You Can't Unread." Mm. I, you know, I'm a fan of Chuck's for life, and I will read all of his books when they come out. And 
I have weathered some really terrible books that he's written recently that are just like they're they're shadows of the former glory. But I heard at Halloween last year, I went to the book launch for his last book and he read two stories that ended up in this collection. Mm hmm. And then um, Selected Shorts, the podcast slash live event series that happens here in New York at Symphony Space, they did a night launching this book and had two of the stories read by actors. And I was really, at those four stories alone, I was surprised at, you know, there are these stories that are like absolutely Chuck Palahniuk stories. They mm-hmm. are gross. They're weird. They feel like somebody punched you in the stomach, but you kind of want them to do it again. Mm-hmm. But then there were stories where he was experimenting. As hard as <laughs> he was experimenting with things. There were stories where there was an unexpected emotional, uh, like a, an angle you don't expect to equate like emotional stuff with Chuck Palahniuk. Mm. Um, there's a Tyler Durden short story in there. I'm, I'm sort of excited, you know, just to speak back to our um, the episode, our last episode, um, that there's that sequel to Fight Club that's going to be a graphic novel. Yeah, I feel like he. Chuck has reached a point now where he can sort of he's he has breaking the room out. to experiment. Yeah, yeah. He he does. And I think that he's he I think that he really um likes his fan base and, and his fan base loves him. And I think that he's finally like thinking like they might be able to follow me anywhere. Yeah. Which is cool. And this short story collection, big time. I mean, it doesn't go as far as you might want it to. Sure. But it goes far enough to think that, you know, whatever he does next or after that or after that will be interesting. Yeah worthwhile absolutely cool well uh that's it for us yeah for july we're gonna go get some we're gonna go get some more ferrante yeah and spumoni and neapolitan ice cream What is spumoni? No idea. You've been saying it. I was hoping you knew.